We've had a great time over the last few days. We've had uh, our church planting partners from around the world here with us. And um, we, this year, at Good News Church, we've been able to partner this year with a number of new church plants around the world. And at your seats, you have, see the prayer cards that are there for you. And on the screen, you see a list of the new churches that we've been able to partner with this year. Three are in Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Kissimmee, Polk County. We're excited to, to be able to bring the gospel to these uh, communities in the southern part of our state. And then you'll see uh, in Romania and Moldova, in Mexico, in India, in Chile, and in Brazil, we have partners around the world who are planting gospel-centered, self-supporting, reproducing, national-led churches for Jesus' glory. And we're so thankful that because you give, we're able to invest 13% of all that's given in church planting here in the States and around the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you for giving. And thank you for praying. I encourage you, take this prayer card and, and make it a part of your regular prayer with Jesus. That as you pray for yourself and for good news, you'd also pray for these partners. On one side are our new church plants, and on the other are our uh, movement leaders. And these are men who help us connect with nationals, who can plant churches in their communities, and one of those is Rick. So, Rick, you come on in the middle here and uh, introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about your Asian partners and then introduce our church planting friends. Sounds great. Well, it's a joy to be together with uh, you guys this morning. And Eurasia Partners Network has a mission to accelerate gospel-centered churches in Central Europe, Russia, and Central Asia through coaching, connecting, and resourcing. And the last couple of years, we've been able to connect your church with leaders all around this region. In fact, you guys have helped to plant 13 churches in Kazakhstan, Russia, Belarus, Hungary, Moldova, and Romania. Uh, I connect with a lot of different churches, and your commitment and your generosity is just awe-inspiring and exceptional. So it's such a joy for us to partner with you. This is Stefan. You guys have helped him to plant a church in Bucharest, Romania. Uh, Stefan, besides the seafood and the beach, this is his first visit to Florida. Uh, what have you enjoyed about your time here? Um, Why don't you come over here on the left? Okay, okay. Um, so, um, as I, I, I thought about this, um, I think you guys, uh, your sincerity and um, um, humility, it's, uh, it's refreshing for me. It's, uh, it's the Christ-likeness that you, you provide the yeah, shelter for me and support and all prayers and yeah, so I think that, yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm so glad you could come and be here. Thank you. So it's great to partner with you to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Thank you so much, Dave. Thanks, Rick. Let me, let me pray for them. Jesus, we pray 
We pray for the work of the gospel in Romania, that you would use Stefan to reach his city, this great city, the capital of Romania. We pray that it would be reached not only by his church, but by a multiplying network of churches that could partner together to, to reach that city for Jesus Christ. And that, Lord, from that city would go more and even more church planters who could make a difference in that region of the world. Lord, we pray for Rick, that you would continue to sustain him in the work of coaching and leading and recruiting church planters throughout Eurasia. Lord, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. We ask you, Lord of the harvest, raise up laborers for the harvest field. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Edwin, come on up. I want us to uh, just <clears throat> go back to the word just for a second in Mark chapter 4, and um, this is my friend Edwin, and um, he has been shortchanged on time, yeah. but I love you, brother, you're awesome, and um, if I we go a little long, it's Maybe okay. lunch is late today. Maybe lunch is late today. <laughs> listen, listen, to the, listen to this passage from Mark chapter 4. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. He goes to bed at night and gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself doesn't know. The soil produces crops by itself first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. When the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. forever. Jesus, bless Edwin. Bless the teaching and preaching of your word today. Multiply from him through us a movement, a gospel movement that would bear a harvest and that at just the right time, Holy Spirit, You'd put the sickle to it and bring it in to the praise of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. 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 I think we're going to see a couple of slides. So, okay, this is where we work. I mean, MENA or NAME. Some people call it North Africa, Middle East. Some people call it Middle East and North Africa. That's that's. Uh, why? As you can see, Mauritania, Algeria, Libya, Egypt, and uh, uh, part of the Middle East there. And uh, next, okay, where is Malta? <laughs> and uh, you can see, uh, Dave, thank you for your help yesterday with the shirt. So I was telling, showing people where Malta is there. So just south of Italy, and we do have our own language. Uh, Party in lingui differenti. Okay, that, that was a little Maltese. And um, next, this is my family. Last time we were together, we have a daughter that lives in Grand Rapids, uh, so obviously we don't get all together that often. And the grandchildren have grown. So next slide. And there they are, you know, we have uh, six of them uh, from 17, well, 16 to uh, three years old. And, uh, you know, if I knew how great they were, I wouldn't have had my children. <laughs> but anyway, 
Let's, uh, next slide. No, uh, well, there were supposed to be several pictures here. The transitioning is not working on the slides. But I, these were some pictures of Malta. That's actually a view from our uh, uh, balcony in Malta. We live uh, on an island, so we see the ocean. And every morning I get up around 6 or 7, depending on the time of year, just to see the uh, uh, sunrise. And then I go back to bed. Okay, next slide. Okay, what do we do? As you can see there, uh, pastor at an international church, MENA, in Middle East, North Africa, helping uh, churches, uh, church planting. And we do a lot of collaboration. Obviously, I cannot uh, share a lot about this, but we help you know, over 350 missionary organizations and churches work together in the MENA region. And those are some of the partnerships we are involved in. Next. Okay, this is our church in Malta. Next. Like you, we like our food as well. And this is what we do in uh, the MENA region. You know, we go there we en to encourage, educate, equip, empower, engage indigenous believers to plant uh, churches. It's amazing uh, the effect when they know that somebody is behind them. And what we try to do is launch them, and hopefully within a few, you know, a couple of years, they are self-sufficient and they can continue. One of the church plants you've helped me with three years ago, we sent a couple south in their country with, uh, you know, just a few belongings that they had. We helped them monthly with uh, um, income, also helped them raise a business. And now, within the three years' time, that business is flourishing and it is helping another couple be supported to be also planting another church. So, you know, little things that grow, a harvest that grows. I'm not sure, I think that's it. Now, but next slide, let me see. Okay, so that's the passage that was read this morning. Um, you know, being in the ministry, sometimes it's difficult. Some of you heard me mention about uh, issues and problems we have in our regions. We work in Europe as well, and Europe is so difficult with the gospel that, you know, it, it's very easy to get encouraged. You know, people, if you, if you plant a tree, an apple tree, I mean, at least after a few years, you expect to see apples on it. If you don't, don't, it's disappointment. My children once bought me an olive tree, and it was in a pot, but I still wanted olives. And you know, it flourished, and then some olives were there. So I you know, picked them up, I had a handful. You know, I cured them so that I could eat them. So, I mean, you want fruit, and that is everybody's dream. And the gospel is the same. But I would like to ask you a question. Um, do you sleep well at night? You know, I sleep very well. Uh, unfortunately, I have a problem with my back at the moment, so sometimes my back keeps me awake. But, I mean, I can literally switch off. You know, you know what I mean? I can switch off. I can put my head on the pillow and stop thinking. That's literally. Stop thinking and fall asleep. So I'm, I'm good at that. Now, 
my wife uh, is jealous, but uh, she envies me. Said, How can you do it? You know, you're talking to me one second, and you say, I'm going to sleep. Doom! <laughs> now, obviously, if you're worried, you cannot sleep, because you keep thinking about it. If you believe that the salvation of souls or fruit depends on you, you shouldn't even be able to sleep. You understand? I mean, if I think for one minute that somebody is going to go to hell because of me, I shouldn't even try to sleep. I should be out there all the time. Because I, you don't want anybody to go to hell. To hell. Let me read to you a portion from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 and 8. This is Paul speaking. He said, My work was to plant the seed in your heart, and Apollo's work was to water it. But it was God, not we, who made the garden grow in your hearts. The person who does the planting or watering isn't very important, but God is important because he is the one who makes things grow. Understand? Now, some time ago, my, my daughter uh, works with an organization in Grand Rapids. And, you know, when she's in the office, this subject came up of uh, predestination. So she called me and she said, Dad, what do I tell them? You know, I'm, how do I explain um, Calvinism and predestination, you know, reform? I said, well, you know, just I have a simple answer for people. I tell them, if you're God, predestination exists. And it's undeniable. If you're human, you just have to live your life because you don't know the next thing that's going to happen. And for me, that sums it up. I don't want to worry about what's going to happen. That's not my job. That's God's job. So I do believe in a God that is sovereign and that knows everything. And when I look at evangelicalism today, I see a church that sometimes is trying too hard to attract people. And instead of maybe just planting the seed, we are making an atmosphere where many can come. And, you know, is that right? In Mark chapter 4, I believe, is an important chapter in the Gospel of Mark. Mark here is explaining Jesus' teaching on evangelism. And the chapter starts with uh, Jesus saying, there was a farmer that went out and spread seed. And it fell on four different grounds. So he's already explaining, hey, we are a farmer and we're spreading the seed. But it's going to fall on different grounds. And when the disciples said, yeah, what does that mean? He said, well, you know, there are hearts that are hard. There are hearts that are okay. But then, you know, the worries of the world you know, come in, and, and there are good hearts where there will, there will be fruit. So he's telling us that when you're spreading the fruit, sorry, the seed, you're not going to have fruit at least out of 75% of it. You know, I mean, that's, that's not good to hear, but that's the, way, that's the way it is. Now, if we look at Jesus and, you know, we say, was he popular? Was he popular? You know, I, I, nobody nodded, because I know it's a, it looks, sounds like a trick question. If you're popular, you don't get killed. But, uh, you know, he attracted the crowds. 
Mark chapter 4 starts by saying that crowds came out to see him. He attracted the crowd. I mean, there was a time when, you know, 5,000 were there, and he was feeding them. I mean, so, I mean, he was very popular in that respect. People wanted to hear who he was and what he was saying. Now, obviously, um, were they all saved? We know that no. In fact, uh, one time in Luke chapter 13, we, we read this, kind of all, almost at the same time of the Jesus telling these stories, one of the disciples said, you know, Lord, I mean, are there only going to be a few saved? So you would think, wow, you're seeing all these crowds, and why is a disciple asking that? Because they realized that most of the people following were not true believers, as we call them today. And Jesus answered, and he said, the door of heaven is narrow. The truth is that many will try to enter, but obviously many will not make it. And again, I look at these words and think, oh, but Lord, we want a wide door. We want people to come in. We want everybody to respond to our message. We want to see the fruit. And when I look at Jesus and I, you know, I ask you the question, was he popular? I mean, obviously, after he was killed, how many people were there? I mean, as an estimate, we know that 120 people gathered together to pray after he was killed. So you would think, if I had to analyze, three years of ministry, raising the dead, feeding people, healing all the sick, preaching sermons that astounded even all the scholars that were around him, people looking at Jesus and thinking, ooh, he has authority, and yet 120 people. Do you, what are we going to answer now? Was Jesus popular? You know? So there is a big difference between being popular and attracting crowds and the difference between true and real believers. Today, I believe a lot of people are thinking, oh, we need to adjust the gospel because we're scaring away sinners, you know, when we tell them that they are sinners. So we need to change the gospel. We, you know, maybe we shouldn't tell people how to live because then they won't come to church. I mean, do you understand? Even the disciples, Jesus, what are you doing? Why are you talking to them like this? You are confusing the people. Change your message. Why don't you do something that, if I were Jesus, I would have said, what do you expect more of me? I've just fed 5,000. I've raised the dead. I've healed all their sick. I've calmed storms. What more do you want from me? But they said, look, you're not doing it right. And when Jesus said, this is what I must do, Peter said, no. What do you mean, Peter? No. I mean, you know, the disciples, the apostles tried to correct Jesus. I mean, Judah betrayed him because he didn't agree on what Jesus was doing. And sometimes that's, we fall into that same trap because we want to change the way God is working. Why is it difficult in Europe? Why is it impossible? in North Africa to have a big church and to worship God. Why? 
I don't know. God knows. And all I have, my job is to what? Plant the seed. When we come to um, Mark chapter 4, as you can see it there, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how the earth produces. I mean, if I were a farmer and I listened to Jesus there, I would have been offended. What do you mean, scatter the seed and go to sleep? If any of you are farmers here, you know it takes a little more than just scatter the seed and go to sleep. I mean, I've been tilling this ground. I had to go and collect manure, you know, this smelly stuff, and spread it on the ground to fertilize it. I mean, I water it. What do you mean, throw the seed and go to sleep? Obviously, when Jesus tells these stories, he's not giving us a scientific way of doing things. It's just the, you, you need to catch what he is saying. And the, the, the idea here is, look, you scatter, the farmer scatters the seed and goes to sleep. That's why I said I sleep very well. Because as long as I'm doing my job of scattering the seed, I can sleep very well. Because at the end of the day, and the seed sprouts and grows, I don't know how the earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain. But when the grain is ripe, and once he puts, at once he puts the sickle, because the harvest has come. So my job is to go out and plant the seed. And that's why I don't get discouraged, because all I can do is what God has asked me to do. And I tell you the same. I tell all church planters the same. You know, what God expects from you is plant the seed. Share about your life. I remember I was in a country where it was impossible to evangelize. And I thought, how can we do this? How can we share about Christ knowing that if you share about Christ, you're going to be killed? And then it dawned on me, oh, we are witnesses of Christ. So all we have to do is live a Christian life. You know what that means. You know, a life based on what Christ has said. And you don't have to speak about Christ. People will notice you. And in, in, in some of these countries where we work, God works in different ways. He gives life to the grain in the ground. He gives life to people that are dead in sin. And they recognize Christ without knowing him until they see one of us. And they see Christ in us. And yeah. By the way, I had this dream. Maybe you can help me understand it. And that is how people are coming to the Lord. Because they see us. So with our lives, we are planting the seed. I mean, there's nothing we can do. I like to kind of wrap this up with this, um, another uh, part of the Bible. Luke chapter 23. 
Now, I'm not sure about in English, but in Maltese, uh, when we talk about Jesus on the cross and the two thieves, we say the good thief and the bad thief. I mean, no, no, there's a, such a good thing as a good thief, so don't think it exists, that there's no good thief. But in our, in our language, we say the good thief and the bad thief, okay? So, I want you to imagine this. I mean, three crosses, three men hanging on the cross, Jesus in the middle. I mean, they had just crucified him. The, the, the thieves on either side have heard them cry out, come down if you are God, you know, come down. I mean, Jesus is hanging there. Now, would you agree with me that a man hanging, nailed to a cross is defeated? Do you, would, you believe, would you agree with me? I mean, what more can you do? You're there hanging on the cross, you're dying. You know, one thief tells him, you know, and well, anyway, he starts bad-mounting him. The other one, listen to this, he says, you know, kind of, I don't know the way they were, but I'm kind of looking over Jesus to the other thief. Hey, shut up. We deserve to be here. He doesn't. So that's the first indication that this man understood. A seed had sprouted in his mind. He looked at Jesus and he said, this man is innocent. He doesn't deserve to be here. He said, we do. And then he turns to Jesus and says, Jesus. Now again, imagine the scene. Because, you know, we read it sometimes, but Jesus is hanging on a cross with a crown of thorns representing his, you know, what they thought was imaginary kingdom. And the man says, Jesus, think of me when you come in your kingdom. I mean, what faith do you need to have to look at a man dying on a cross where you've been a thief all your life, you're paying for your crimes, and you look at Jesus and say that. I mean, would you agree with me that only God can change a heart like that? Only God can give a faith to a man that is looking at a dying man and telling him, think of me when you come in your kingdom. So this thief, this good thief, is in heaven because God sprouted a seed in his heart. So let us continue planting seed. And so when we say plant churches, you know, I mean, we plant seeds in the hearts of men and women. And we wait on God for that seed to sprout and for us to harvest. Thank you very much. Uh, let's pray. Jesus, you are the King and Lord of the harvest. And by that death on the cross, you defeated sin once and for all, the devil, 
And you conquered hell and you made it possible for us who believe to receive the gift of eternal life. So Lord, I pray, I pray that the seed planted in every heart here would be turned by your Holy Spirit into fruit. And that that fruit, Jesus, would be to the praise of your glory and grace. Lord, I pray that the product of our faith, being more precious than gold, would result in honor and glory and praise to the name that is above every name, Jesus Christ. And Lord, that amongst all of our movement leaders and partners around the world, that Lord, you would provide for their needs, protect them spiritually and physically from the enemy, and allow them to be good farmers, sowing the seed until you come again. Lord, we give you thanks. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.